I'm Katrina LeMaydon, two-time Olympic champion, Team Canada Chef de Mission for Beijing 2022, President CEO of Sport Calgary, and you are listening to Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Source Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mr. Neil Wallace-Bruce, and I am joined by Mr. Corbett Arant. Kobe, how you doing? I'm okay. I just got back from an, well, an amazing trip, but unfortunately I brought a torn Achilles back home with me. So luckily what we do can be done from our desk. So I'm, I'm here 100%. Indeed. Great to have you back and sorry about the Achilles, but while Kobe was working on his tan, we, we were both working on some questions for our guest in this episode, she is a former journalist who you would have seen on CTV, TSN, CBC, and The Score, and she's now an author, and she's going to tell us about her upcoming book, Lucy Tries Baseball. It is Lisa Bowes. Lisa, how are you doing? I'm great, Nee. Hi, Kobe. Good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you on. Now, Lisa, right now you're an author. You were a journalist previously. Tell us a little bit more about the journey to where you are now. Well, it actually all began me when I was covering women's hockey at the Vancouver Olympic Games in 2010, Canada-US. Many people remember that game, one of the most watched games actually in women's hockey history. I think there was something about 7 million viewers were watching that at the height of that third period. So I was in that Olympic mindset uh, covering that uh, tournament. And while I was doing that, I also... My daughter was very young at the time. She was three. And like uh, all parents, I was reading books to her and I couldn't find anything in the marketplace. There were about different types of sport. And because I was at the Olympics and surrounded by all those other ones, I thought, you know, maybe we could create a collection of books that are about different types of sports. So the non-mainstream sports. And so that's really how the journey began from me being a broadcaster and a mom to now becoming a children's author. But us journalists, we're, we're always journalists. We, <laughs> I think I still am writing. Obviously, I'm now just writing for a different medium from TV to now to books. And so we've started the series off with Lucy Tries Luge and then short track speed skating. And now we have evolved it into the mainstream sports. So that was the whole idea behind it was to encourage kids to be active, number one, to educate parents and their children about different types of sport. And now it's just really morphed to something that has, uh, well, led us to now six books. Fantastic. Now on this show, we have had Canadian Olympians from the sports of skeleton and bobsled, but not yet luge. So luge is coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. Oh, fantastic. I'm impressed. You guys had sliders on the show. Very good. Indeed. And we've learned a lot, no doubt about it. We've also had a number of uh, players from this, the realm of women's hockey. Do you follow the PHF, the Premier Hockey Federation? 
you know, I really, I really don't need, I, it's not something that I've, uh, I, I mean, I, I did some play by play for women's hockey. Gosh, it's now, uh, 23 years ago, actually that, so the very beginnings of, of women's hockey and these pro leagues, these semi pro leagues, I was involved in the initial national women's hockey league, but I haven't been involved in it. And I really haven't had a chance to watch some of those games. I really only watched the, uh, the international tournaments. Fair enough. Well, I mean, the, the next World Championships are in Brampton, so that is quite close to home. I, you you are in Ontario, right? Well, I'm actually uh, talking to you from Calgary, Alberta, but I do know that rink very well because that's exactly where the NWHL began was in Brampton. They, uh, the mayor there at the time was a big supporter and champion of women's hockey. And that's really how that all began. Uh, and with the strong clubs and the strong presence of, of girls hockey, uh, in this country, that's really where we're seeing the registration numbers actually in hockey across Canada. It's actually that, uh, midget age, the female midget age that's really driving the numbers right now. So uh, women's hockey has definitely come a long way, but we can still see that there is room for, for growth when it comes to the pro leagues. Absolutely. And we'll continue to follow the progress here on this show. Yeah, it makes sense to me that women's hockey is one of the fastest growing markets as far as uh, children getting involved with a sport because here in Canada, I'd say our women's hockey team is front and center right? It, it gets a lot of attention. So that encourages young women to get involved into something they can see themselves doing professionally at some point. And Nia had mentioned the PHF. Quick shout out to our Toronto Six who have made the final against the Minnesota Whitecaps. I hope they actually bring it home this time. But Lisa, something I really liked about the, the books you started out with was the fact that they were sort of fringe sports like you said, you had short track speed skating. We actually had Katrina Lemaidon on our show, and I noticed that she wrote a fantastic review of your book. Now I'm amped to check one out myself. But you're, <laughs> you're, you're getting into more mainstream sports now, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think the, the interesting thing is, is that we obviously when we're now into the marketplace and this is a product – the publisher is really caring mostly about his book sales, right? Uh, their book sales are, are king. So the, the sports of luge and short track speed skating, while these stories are very unique, and I think you'd be hard pressed to actually find a children's book in the world that would be about those two sports, mm -hmm. they're not doing as well in North America in terms of the sales. So that's why the publisher then decides, let's, you know, we've started this off we have a series that is really built around the principles of being active and persevering. Tries is the main word, guys, in the series. It's Lucy Tries. She and her diverse set of friends are all about trying. And that's what we want to get across with our, our young readers is that you're going to fall down, you're going to fail, but you're going to get back. You know, you're going to rebound. You're going to keep trying, right? It's all about the effort. I mean, failure works, right? We learn so much from failure. And I really like the kids to see that lesson. And that's why the series has really mushroomed. We've, yes, gone off to those different sports, but as a result, now you have bigger sales and then those bigger sales then leads people back to books one and two. So I felt really good about coming out of the gate with something unique and different. Uh, and interestingly enough, we just touched on hockey, but hockey, people would say to me, Oh, you never started with hockey. And I said, no, no, let's, let's get out of that and let's, let's have different sports first. So hockey is actually book four 
that came after soccer, the world's most popular sport. So I'm, I'm pleased to share with you that the Lucy Tries series is now in multiple languages. They're even in uh, China. Um, so they're in translated in Spanish, English, French, and now and in simplified Chinese. So it's really been an incredible journey. And, and I never thought that that would be happening for me from where it began as a broadcaster heading to the Olympics to cover women's hockey. Was becoming an author at one at some point in your kind of grand scheme of things? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I, it's interesting, though, because uh, when we write for television, we're really writing to pictures. And so we're out hey, we're down at the leaf skate, we're working with the camera, we're asking that camera, we're visualizing what pictures we might need to go with our words about whatever the storyline might be for leaf skate, right? Or whoever the Leafs are playing that night, mm -hmm. just to give you an example. And so I found that in doing that process for so many years, it's almost the exact same kind of thing as working with the illustrator, my fantastic teammate. I can never forget James because James truly drew this character for me, exactly what I'd seen in my mind's eye for about three or four years. It took me many years to find the illustrator and James Hearn drew her brilliantly. And, and that's really very similar to the cameras that we work with in television. So, I find the process is almost the exact same. It's just a little bit different, obviously, because this is for our readers age three to eight. <laughs> and it's a 32 page picture book. And I'm, I'm writing in rhyme. I'm writing five and six syllables, quite different from a 90 second report on the Toronto Maple Leafs getting ready to face whoever. <laughs> now, I know this is a purely objective question. And of course, it's a bit biased as well, considering you're the author. But would you say, because I noticed you use the word diverse when describing the books, would you say it has a mm -hmm. very Canadian sort of multicultural feel, these books? I, I think so, Kobe. I think that uh, right from the get-go, we introduced Lucy's set of friends in book two in the short track speed skating race. And what I really love about this is that all kids can see themselves in a Lucy Tries book. And in fact, I do a lot of work out here in Alberta with many of our First Nation communities and a couple of our characters, the children can see themselves in those characters. So mm -hmm. I think that's super important that every child can see themselves in that Lucy book. Also in book four in hockey, we introduce Brett and Brett is in his sledge. In the United States, we say, they, you know, he's in his sled for, for sled hockey. Mm -hmm. Canada, we use sledge hockey. And so Brett is in his sledge. And so again, I'm including the para ice hockey community in that. Then we go to book five basketball where he's now in his wheelchair and in Canada in the domestic leagues, able bodied actually players do play with people who are in their sport chairs. Yes. So I included Brett in a sequence. Um, and they're, you know, on a fast break and Lucy passes him the ball and he, you know, swish, nothing but net. And so I'm really pleased that we were able to include that in the basketball story. And, and I think it's important because all kids need to be active and that includes children and adults for that matter, you know, who are living with disabilities, physical disabilities. And they also need to be active. So that's why when I talk about the series being all inclusive, it, it truly is. And, and really, Lucy, as that lead character, she really is, I guess I'm speaking to my authentic truth because 
I grew up with Pippi Longstocking. So when I was thinking about a character for Luge, and obviously Lucy and Luge is that great alliteration. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking Pippi because, you know, she'd come into town on her horse with her monkey on her shoulder and she was super strong. And that's that was kind of what formed my thought about that main character, Lucy. But Lucy has her friends and everybody is included in these stories. And I think that's really great for everybody, especially for our readers. Okay, I want to. I just want to comment on what you had said about the uh, the basketball book that you had written. Mm-hmm. Me, myself, of course, Justin is not with us today. When we cover every sport, our motto is "No sports left behind." And we actually have had a member of Team Canada wheelchair basketball team on the show. Fantastic! I did not know that a fully able-bodied person could play. Right. It's all inclusive. Everybody can play wheelchair basketball. Exactly. And everybody can play sledge. Because of that point system, right? Because of the point system they used. We didn't, I did not know that until we interviewed that individual and his name escapes me right now, but I got you, Nick Gonson. Nick Gonson. Thank you. Thank you. And he had explained to us how they have that point system and a fully able-bodied person can come in. They just have that total cost toward the system. And the fact that you are including that in a book that's made for what's the age group again? Sorry, it's for ages three to eight. Like there, like there you go. You know what I mean? Like to yeah. learn something like that through osmosis, just just picking it up by reading that book as a child, and then understanding that later on in life. That's fantastic because, like I said, we cover every sport, and I did not know that till now. Fantastic, Kobe. Well, I love to hear that you guys are are not just sticking to the mainstream because you know there's so. I honestly believe, and that's the other point to this whole series. Is that, and before I got into sports media, I should share that I actually studied uh, kinesiology. So I'm kind of coming full circle on my degree. I'm, I feel that there are, there is something for every child. There's something for everyone. We can all, there is a sport for everybody or an activity for everybody. There's almost 200 sports in the world that we can try. So you guys have mm-hmm. a lot of content that you can get through. That's right. Um, <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, I myself even did a story on CPAC Tacra, which is oh, uh, nice. is an amazing, and knee, you sounds like you know that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and and I love I love learning, right? And learning about, and so for so many years here in Canada, following our main, you know, the main ones that we typically follow. Mm-hmm. I love doing the stories on all those different ones. So I have to commend you for including them because they do not get a lot of love from mainstream um, media outlets. So good on you guys. But again, it's all about there's something for everyone. And curling, for example, is a fantastic sport Amazing. for so many kids who maybe don't want to play hockey, don't want to play on a team, but maybe a smaller team and mm-hmm. maybe they like math and they like angles. And you see what I'm getting at is that there is really something for everyone. So we're up to six books now, but we really could create literally <laughs> 200, 200 plus. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. It's, it's, it's honestly a beautiful thing. And that representation is so important. I, I, I was hearing from, the Olympian and world champion hockey player, Sammy Small today, she's the president of the Toronto Six. And she was talking about how it was for her in Manitoba. She was a girl who had to play with the boys. And she pretty much, her parents had to sneak her in because it was unheard of that, that girls could play hockey. So to have that representation in a written form, mm-hmm. that's great for kids. They want to be active 
Yeah, be active. And, and as you know, Sammy Joe, uh, an incredible thrower, right? She went to Stanford, mm-hmm. you know, for her throwing in track and field. And I even did a story on Sammy Joe because she had uh, created a, a special chest protector for female hockey players. It was part of her, uh, I think it was, it was part of her engineering degree at Stanford. She's a fascinating, I have her book too, her book uh, that she wrote, I think a couple of years ago. But, but I digress, guys. What I do want to mention here, because you're saying about representation, and and all of that and and about women and and we're also talking about gender too here where my deep uh, subtext in this series because sometimes I do have parents or grandparents will say to me oh it's too bad this wasn't a Logan because I have a a grandson and I will say no no Lucy is for all kids because children really do not see gender and they just see Lucy as a cool kid. And I frequently have, in all of my school visits, I have lots of boys that will say to me, oh, well, can she try football? And I'll say, well, yes, because now girls do play tackle football. She could That's also right. play flag football. So my deep subtext is that as little boys are reading a Lucy Tries book, they are therefore at that young age seeing this strong, courageous character. And I hope that that will therefore inform their perception of little girls. And then mm-hmm. later on as they become men and then are working with women in the workplace. 100%. That's kind of the deep subtext. And perhaps that does help to go back to my career as a sportscaster in early, early days when there were very, very few of us. <laughs> yeah, in a, in a male-dominated profession. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yes, I, yes. Especially already... those golf tournaments, I have to say. That I'd be like the only one in a field of 150. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hold that thought. We're going to come back to that. But I just want to touch on the sport of Sipak Takro because I grew up in Asia Pacific and I grew up with a lot of – folks from Southeast Asia, particularly Indonesia, where it's it's a, a top sport there. It's, it's one of the sports you'll see at the Asian Games, the Southeast Asian Games, and it's very acrobatic. It's a combination of volleyball, oh. a little bit of soccer as well. It's Hacky sack. Yeah, a little bit of hacky sack as well. It's, it's incredible. It is an incredible thing to watch. And I there's actually – now, I don't know, Ni, if this is still the case, but – when I had done that story, there was actually a strong, uh, strong community of CPAC Takra in Saskatchewan. Mm. So I don't know if that is still the case, but some of these sports and kabaddi is another one. I think I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. that right. That's like a Middle Eastern. Kabaddi, yeah. Kab- okay, kabaddi. Okay. You know, yeah. there's another one, right? All these wonderful things. And then we're seeing new sports develop like spike ball. Um, mm-hmm. you know, all these new things that are now evolving and you have a mashup of different types of sports. I just think it's a tremendous time to be talking about sport. <laughs> Fantastic. Are you ready to stay fit this winter? Get off the couch with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Sign up now to their mobility and movement program. Use the code PSP15 to get 15% off the one-time purchase of the program. Then it's yours forever. No additional subscriptions or fees. The program is available worldwide. Now, back to the show. I do want to throw to Kobe in a bit, and I'm sure he's itching to talk about your golf uh, coverage, but he's mentioned something that, that stuck with me, and I want to explore a little bit more if you don't mind, if you're comfortable. And you talked about your authentic truth. So mm-hmm. 
Do you mind just enlightening our listeners a little bit more about that when it comes to yourself and your journey? Yeah, I think it's it, the fact of the matter is, is that I, the time that I grew up is, is, you know, a few years, definitely a few years earlier than, than yourselves. And at that time, I was definitely a, I grew up with boys, first of all. I grew up on a street full of boys. I have a brother. And so I really was socialized uh, with boys. And as a result of that, I think that's why I love that Swedish series, the TV. So this series was, I think it came on the air in 1967. And I think I first saw it in the mid to late 70s, Pippi Longstocking. Mm -hmm. And so her coming in this, and she had superhuman strength. She was this weird, bizarre character, if you will, but kind of a Pied Piper type character, but very much, I would say also a tomboy. So as me growing up, and, and just how you had mentioned with Sammy Joe, I played soccer. Soccer was the sport that I played for, I think I quit when I was 36 playing indoor. And I went to university and played soccer. I grew up playing soccer in Guelph, but I also started on boys teams. So when I think of Pippi Longstocking and how she was portrayed on television and growing up as I did with boys, I really was that tomboy type character. So then later, so maybe 40 odd years later, now I'm starting to think about this book series. And first of all, I should say that I actually started with different characters for different sports. It wasn't always Lucy. So once he drew her, I cried actually because he nailed her. Like what I was thinking in my, in my head and thinking about red hair and freckles. And, and then he put the big ponytail on. And that reminded me again, back to Pippi. So back to my authentic truth of growing up in a small town, Ontario, uh, west of Toronto and Guelph, growing up with boys, seeing that character on television, Pippi Longstocking, and then bringing that back to that upbringing of mine with the Lucy series is very much, it very speak, and that's why I cried when he drew her. So I guess, did that answer your question, Nee? That's kind of how I think of my truth in this series. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, and um, I appreciate you sharing. Thank you for that. And Kobe spent some time in Sweden. <laughs> yeah, a, fair, a, fair, a fair amount. Were you a Guelph Griffin? No, I'm afraid I, I went to school in London. I always okay. say I'm afraid because everybody loves to hate Western. So I don't hate Western. I don't hate Western. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> you were a Mustang. I was a Mustang. That's it. Purple and proud, as we say. Purple and proud. <laughs> exactly. They stand out. They definitely stand out. But but back in the day, though, Kobe and me, though, people really did not like Western. And Queens was our, you know, nemesis, you know, in Kingston. And uh, I mean, they had T-shirts made that would say on the front, like there was sort of a man with his finger pointing up into the air saying, Tis better to fail at Western than graduate from Guelph. <laughs> That's harsh. Those, those are the types of things that Western used to do. Yeah. Now, now, did you feel out of place when you were growing up as a tomboy? I didn't feel out of place. I felt comfortable in male company uh, because, like, they're my buddies. They're my friends. I grew mm. up playing caps. I grew up uh, trading cards, right? Got them, got them, need them, need them. I, I, uh, so then as I'm then going now, I'm getting older. That's why I really wanted to go into physical education. I really wanted to become a gym teacher. And then later I wanted to become a sports psychologist 
And so it's interesting to me how my world was informed by those early connections I made with boys. And then I find myself in a sports media environment where there are very few women, but I'm feeling comfortable again. And I've always felt that way. For the majority of my career, I've worked with men and I feel so grateful for it because I've learned so much from them. They teach me so many things that as a woman, I might not think of, especially how I might approach a situation or deal with a situation. Uh, and I'm, I'm truly blessed for all the males that have helped me in my career and are still friends of mine today. A lot of my colleagues that you will know, and I know we'll all be at each other's funerals. In sports media, did you have a mentor? Love that question. Uh, when I first started as a writer at the TSN newsroom back in 1989, <laughs> uh, we would watch a lot of ESPN. So we're taking in all the feeds, we're taking in all the games, and then we're writing the highlights for the commentators. And we were typing this. Imagine that. <laughs> typing the highlights and using whiteout and ripping it off and taping it together and feeding it through a prompter for the commentators. And at that time, I loved Dan Patrick. Okay. I look at Dan Patrick still going strong on the radio. Yep. So I watched a lot of the ESPN. Then I really enjoyed Hannah Storm's work. Gina Zalesko, when the Fox started to put her up on um, the baseball playoffs, yep. I really enjoyed her work. And so... But interestingly enough, I really wanted to be like Dan Patrick. So if there was somebody who I could say, hey, I'll, that's who I want to try to follow. I, I just really liked his delivery and how smooth he was. And then I enjoyed listening to the fabulous sports babe. I thought she was brilliant. That was on ESPN radio. Yeah. And she, I think, might have just retired after 40 odd years. Wow. So Dan Patrick is not a bad one to emulate. Um, yeah. Pretty, pretty good yeah. pick there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a safe selection. <laughs> well, everybody's, it's a subjective business, right? Yeah. You have your favorites um, and um, me has his favorites and it is, TV is subjective and that could be a news presenter or a sports presenter. We all, there's someone you may like and someone you just, you know, just doesn't, you don't care for their delivery. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, I know, well, I, know, I know who need dislikes, so I'll just let that one slide. <laughs> I mean, now you got me thinking, who do I dislike? Anyway, we're going to, we, we can revi we can revisit that one because now, now I'm going to dig through to see who I dislike. <laughs> anyway, Dan Patrick is my favorite show on TSN radio at the moment. Oh, uh, nice. That there's a, there is a backstory because Dan, I know he's bounced around from ESPN to Fox Sports Radio now, and I think it's streamed on Peacock as well. But when I was studying, I would listen to Dan Patrick's show in the night because I was on the other side of the world. So while he was doing his usual daytime thing, it was, it was the middle of the night for me. So I would, I would stay up and listen to it. And yeah, now to this day, I still listen to the show, and he, I, yeah. he's still the same golden tonsils that he that he has. He still has his way with words. He's able to slip in some pop culture. He's, yeah. he's got a nice blend on his show. Yeah, well, that's it. And so, like, I'm 22 years old uh, watching him on ESPN Sports Center, looking at him saying, wow, that's somebody that I'd, I'd like to be as smooth as him. Mm -hmm. So, that, so that's how long he's been around. Is, right. you know, is, so, it, it's, so imagine how many people, yes, he has, uh, in, you know, made an impact when it comes to broadcasters. It's a tremendous run. Yeah. Absolutely. I only found out 
I think last week or the week before, he was a former basketball player when he was talking about the, the college tournaments that are on right now. But um, another favorite of mine on TSN is out in Calgary, Salim Volji. Oh, yes, Salim, yes. Yes, he's mm-hmm. coming on our show. He's a great guy. Oh, good. I have yet to meet him, but I know he's sitting in, in seat number 47 up in the press box because it's the <laughs> same seat <laughs> that I occupied in 1994. <laughs> and then later in, uh, gee, I guess the last time I was there was about 2018, I guess, uh, when I used to backfill on my old job when Jermaine was here. Nice. That's a beautiful thing. Two great people in the 47th seat out there. The, <laughs> yeah. What is it? The saddle dome? Do they call it the saddle the dome? Saddle is that what dome. the flames play? <laughs> Yeah. That's it, the Saddle Dome. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, one of the oldest rinks now in the NHL. It's uh, long overdue for a, um, I don't think they can really renovate anymore. It needs to really be, let's just say, a new building. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fair enough. Now, you touched on the Vancouver Olympics, and there mm-hmm. has been talk of the Olympics returning to British Columbia and Canada at large with a potential mm-hmm. Indigenous bid. Do you think this is viable? Is this something that's going to push forward? Or uh, what are your thoughts on this? Hmm. It's a tough one these days, I find, with the Olympics. Uh, It's taken the brand, I would say, of the Olympics has really taken quite a few hits over the last few years. But, you know, I I often thought when Calgary went for the bid, I, I often wondered why couldn't that have been a provincial bid? So Edmonton, Calgary the mountains, maybe Red Deer does curling and keep it like a, a larger than just one city. That's what I would have mm. liked to have seen. But I think the thing with the Olympics that perhaps seems to get missed sometimes is the the messaging around that this is for everybody. Like you have to sell it to the average everyday Joe family of four. Why is the Olympics a good idea? Because these, when you have these types of events, they can trigger the build on some incredible facilities. And Vancouver is, it's that Canada line, which is the train from the airport to downtown, is a massive, massive um, game changer for that city. And that really came about because of the Olympics. So there are the good points to having a games like that, but you really have to make sure, I think that everything's in place for you to have the legacy after the fact. Now, here in Calgary, the Olympics haven't been here since 1988. And, you know, there's been a whole issue around the ski jumps, which are no longer viable and actually cost a lot of money to not only just to have them standing and not even being used, but they're going to have to take those down. And the oval is still going strong, though. The speed's getting oval. They have World Cups there. But the hockey rink needs to be rebooted and the ski hills I don't even know if they could actually run an Olympic men's downhill at Nakiska where they held it in 88, right? Because the speeds, the everything is just so much bigger, longer, right? Mm. When it comes to the actual course. So I don't know. I'm kind of in a, I'm sort of in a, a long way of, of saying to you, Nee, that I think there is some good that can come out of Olympic Games, but it has to be done right and it has to have a legacy piece and it has to lead to an accessibility factor for the entire city. If these events are brought in, there has to be that after effect or else there's really no point to it because there's far too many cities around the world where these venues are like mothballed, nothing's happening. I just, someone was to tell me the other day that Sochi is, that's just a, a bit of a, a, a very strange one. What Russia had built 
you know, for Sochi, kind of a Disneyland type thing mm -hmm. that rarely people go to it anymore. So I liked what Pyeongchang did, having it a provincial thing and, and, and spread out. I often wonder why doesn't Canada just do an Olympics? So why doesn't Ontario say, do the hockey, Ottawa, Toronto, right? Uh, another venue does the speed skating, another city does the curling, another city does the freestyle. Mm -hmm. I've often wondered about that and spread it across the country so that the, the taxpayer in each city doesn't absorb so much. I'm taking your idea and I'm running with it. So <laughs> given the history of this country, given the history of this country, I guess the, I call it the struggle between the Anglophones and Francophones. Why don't we have a future Olympics that encompasses Ontario, mm -hmm. Quebec, and maybe the Atlantic region, if we can get in there, because I know that Justin will hear this and he'll say, what about Newfoundland? So, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes, Justin, I mentioned the Atlantic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, jokes aside, what about an Olympics that is sustainable and covers, encompasses Ottawa, because uh, Ottawa is essentially the middle of Ontario and Quebec. You have Toronto or just outside of Toronto, say Brampton for the hockey. You could have Blue Mountain for the skiing or maybe a location in Quebec. And then you could. Oh, well, they'd have something to say about that knee out here. <laughs> You'd have to have the skiing in BC or Alberta. <laughs> right. So, okay. So, the speed skating at Whistler, because it's the fastest in the world, that there's no arguing that. Sorry, not speed skating, the, the uh, sl sliding at the. Sliding at Whistler. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's the world class facility. I'm, I'm running out of sports here in my brain, but I know that you two can fill in the gaps. But yeah. I definitely <laughs> think that something like that will be viable. And then here's the clincher. There's our excuse to build some high-speed rail between cities in Canada. Yes. How about that? That would be fantastic. They've been dying for that here between Calgary and Edmonton. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's expensive, right? But that's what these events can lead to is that kind of infrastructure. Yes, it can maybe inspire the youth, but I also feel it's the infrastructure and it's the accessibility because Canada actually, and you, it sounds like the two of you have traveled all over the world and mm -hmm. It, it sounds, I'm sure that you have your uh, input on how we can do a lot more for our accessibility for people who need it. And especially with a growing and an aging population for mobility issues, we need to get that better. Like I had a friend of mine who does use a wheelchair uh, telling me that she had a better time getting around Barcelona than she does here in Calgary. And, and really, we can do better. Yeah, that makes no sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I mean, we're getting, we're coming to the end of it here. But I always wanted to ask mm -hmm. you something, like a comment. I, you had mentioned that you had planned to becoming a sports psychologist at some point. Mm -hmm. Now, it sounds like your Lucy Tries series encompasses a little bit of that, does it? It does. Yes, there's a couple of points here where where we are kind of shining a light on mental, the mental aspect. So as a matter of fact, it will in the luge story, she's at the top of the, at the luge track and she takes a deep breath uh, and kind of does that mental uh, toughness, if you will, before she tries to go down on her luge sled. In our baseball book, which is our brand new book, I have to, I have to say you guys are talking to me right before we're going to release, release Lucy Tries Baseball. And in this story, she's afraid of being hit by the pitch which is a very common fear for, for children as they're mm -hmm. learning to try baseball. And so we are addressing that in a couple of pages. So yes, I am involving some of those aspects to it. I mean, at the end of the day, this series is, is really reinforcing 
accepted principles of healthy child development. So what we know our kids need in order to stay in sport, and they are, they need to make a friend, they need to master a skill, have an encouraging adult relationship, that being the coach, they need to participate and they need to play. So the Lucy's Tries series is also touching on all those points. So we really do put a lot of purpose to the, there's a lot of purpose to the text and the artwork in the Lucy Tries series and in the books. And I'm super excited about baseball because I mean, my gosh, can you guys believe it? We're, we're having this come out shortly after what was an, a, an incredible finish to that world baseball classic. I mean, you can't even, you can write a better story than. Yeah, yeah that was than, scripted. Uh, I mean, it was a beautiful thing. Was that not thing. the most <laughs> unbelievable thing? Otani and Trout, and he gets him after what he threw it in the dirt, right? 105 or 102, yep. I think. And then he comes back with a changeup. And I mean, just a brilliant, brilliant uh, finish to that. So we're re really excited about Lucy Tries Baseball in English, French, and Spanish coming out April 11th. No, the series sounds fantastic. Lisa, before we get you out of here, I'm going to ask. Where can our listeners find you on social media? You can find me on uh, Twitter. I'm still on Twitter, at Lisa Bose. I'm on Instagram. Not as much, but I'm trying to do better there, at Lisa Bose <laughs> Creates. <laughs> I am on LinkedIn, at Lisa Bose. And I am on Facebook, although I'm rarely there. I kind of just pop on and off, at Lisa Bose. Uh, so I am on all those. Where else do I need to be, guys? I can only, I need to clone myself. <laughs> no, you're on this show, you're good. <laughs> Does the Lucy Tries series have a website or anything or no? There is a LucyTriesSports.com website, okay. which is run by the publisher. And on there, uh, they will, you know, you can actually even buy books direct from there. And in June, they will be coming out with a Lucy Tries Team Sports four pack. So that's four books in one which is always great when you can bundle the book. So we're, we're super excited about that. And then the next step in the Lucy journey, sometimes people say, what's the next sport she's going to try? Well, it take, took us two years to produce a book. Wow. So, so two years from when I first wrote Lucy Tries Baseball, it is now finally coming to press. But my dream, my big dream is that we, we move her into another format and we have an animated series. And so I'm very pleased to have signed off on an option agreement for that to happen. And so fingers crossed that we can take Lucy and friends into another format and to engage more kids around the world to be active and to persevere. Here, here. Congratulations. Thank Fantastic. you. Fantastic. Beautiful. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience. Where no sport is left behind.